morning, everybody. Morning. I don't know about you, but that last song, the, the words to that last song, man, there, there's something in me jumps out when I, when I sing those, those words. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. And I mean, I, I, I couldn't help but sit there and go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because I know, I mean, I'm very familiar with being weak. Um, and, and so the, just this picture of, but your spirit is still strong in me. You know, the Bible says that um, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. And so I'm, I'm, I, I praise the Lord in my weakness. I praise God because even though I am weak, his spirit is strong in me. And that is a blessing. That is a privilege. That is something that only God can do. And so I, I, it causes me to praise him. It causes me to worship him. And I hope it does that you. I mean, that's why last week we talked about the purpose of worship and, 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 and those words to those songs articulate something. I don't know about you, but I don't just sit there and think that way. I don't just sit there and, you know, casually over lunch and go, man, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. That's not, that's not what happens. But when, when somebody leads me to that, it, 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 it like connects with something deep within me. And I'm grateful for that. I hope that's the same with you. We're in the purposes series. Um, and, and, and I know, I don't know how many of you would be as bold to say, you know, we struggle with what's my purpose? Why am I here? How many of you would raise your hand and go, that's what I struggle with. I'm not sure. Anybody? Yeah. What's my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I here? You know, we see all over. I mean, people struggle with that very question, that very question. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And see, purpose is such an important thing because without purpose, you're directionless, right? Without purpose, you just wander and meander, and you don't know where you're headed. Purpose is clarifying. It guides you. And so this purpose this series is super important for us because one of the things that you need to know is what is your purpose? You know, why are you here? You know, as a follower of Christ, you were created. God created you. Why are you here? It's important to know. Um, and today, one of the purposes we're going to talk about today is fellowship, okay? Fellowship. How many need the definition of fellowship? Fellowship is, I don't know, if, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, so there was lots of, the, the word fellowship kind of has like a, a strange meaning to me at times because, you know, you'd go down the fellowship hall or the fellowship was the place you'd go eat or whatever, Fellowship was a, is, is a word we don't commonly use. I don't know how many, how many people in the last year have used the word fellowship with their friends, right? Hey, let's go fellowship together. I mean, some of us maybe, right? But it's, it's, a, it's kind of a unique word, um, but the Bible talks about it, and, and our purpose is fellowship. You know, we were created for fellowship. That's one of your purposes, okay? So when you go, what's my purpose? You were created for fellowship. What does fellowship mean? It means life together. It means sharing life together. That's what fellowship is at its core. Authentic, God-intended fellowship. We're going to talk about that today. Because we, we, we've somehow muddied up what fellowship really is, what God intended it to be. And so in that, we're going to talk about fellowship. Fellowship is one of your purposes. Fellowship is one of the purposes of the church. Okay? We, this is, that's what we're going through right now is that we, almost 16 years ago, when, when Gateway started, we were like, what is the purpose of the church? 
And, 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 what, and, and these five things is what we came up with. Discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, worship, and service. And we're going to talk about service next week. But today we're talking about fellowship. And so one of your purposes when you go, what's my purpose, is fellowship. Fellowship is one of your purposes. God created you for fellowship with him. Okay, now wrap your head around that. God created you for fellowship with him. So one of, the, one of the purposes that we have is that we live in fellowship with God. That is what it looks like. And so I'm going to, Genesis 2, I'm just going to talk about, the, this is, you know, the creation story when uh, God created man and woman. And in this case, this is a, a little piece of what God, how God interacted. It says, starting in 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Not out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird in heaven, of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So God brought, basically God breathed just like he did it. God breathed and created all these animals, the birds, the beasts of the field. And what did he do? He brought them to Adam. So when he would create one, he would come to Adam and he'd go, what do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? And so Adam is like, cow. Where'd that come from? I mean, what, when you look at a cow, what made him think cow or, you know, rhinoceros or whatever, you know, dinosaur or whatever it is. I mean, what was it? But ultimately that was the relationship is that God enjoyed, loves creating. And so he created the animals, the birds of the air. And he came to Adam and he said, what would you call them? And that's what they were named. So Adam and God related. They were in fellowship together. They were, they were a part of this together. Um, so it, then it says, The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So what we see here is that, again, God and Adam are in fellowship together. They are they're together. They spend time together. They are working together. They're having communication together. And so it, that's an important thing because I don't know about you, but when's the last time you really had fellowship with God? I mean, when's the last time you just sat and had fellowship with him? Like had a conversation with him. Your purpose is to fellowship with God. So when's the last time? I'm going to read Psalm 34. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to fellowship with God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sit in silence and listen and dwell and know. I 
I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read this for you. God, I pray that this moment, this time, that, that this would be a moment with you, that we would fellowship with you, that we would authentically relate to you. God, I pray that this, these words of this page would, would bring, bring to our, our, our memory moments of when you did these very things, moments that you were there all along, moments that when we thought we were alone, but you were there all along. God, I pray that these words on this, in this passage would, would, would stick out. I pray that they'd jump off the page. I pray that they would strengthen the bond of our relationship. God, we love you and pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to read it, and then it's going to go on the screen. So I'm going to read it out loud for you, and then you're, I want you to just sit there and dwell on it. I want you to sit there and listen to what God has to say or what God's saying through the midst of this passage. That's one thing you can do to fellowship is sit there and read it and listen. Listen to what God has to say to you. Okay? Psalm 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, the fear of the Lord, you his saints, for those who who fear him have no lack. Skipping down to verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut them off the face, uh, off the memory from their, from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This passage has a very special place in my heart um, because when I talk about fellowship, when I talk about fellowship with God, I, I, I had a moment where um, in my life where I was, you know, it just was series of setback after setback after setback. It was one thing after another. I mean, I could not do anything right. And it was just one thing after another. And, and it, it got to a point where I was, I was one day I was mowing and uh, I was out mowing a quick trip and uh, over here across from uh, Panera on 40 Highway. And I was out there mowing, and, and I don't know about you, but if you've ever mowed commercial mowing and stuff, um, you, you get this extreme disdain for people that just throw trash all over the place because quick trip actually expects you, the mowers to pick up all the trash. So we're really like deaf and boss service too. We just pick up all the trash too. So all the cigarette butts and, and everything that was going on, all the lottery tickets, all the wrappers, everything is like 
all over the place. And every time a mower would hit one of those cigarette butts, they'd puff up and like make like white cotton all over the, all over the grass. And, and so, and I've got allergies. I don't know about you, but I, I'm in a stupid occupation for allergies, right? I mean, dust and all this. And, and so I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm riding around on this mower and I hit a napkin and it just exploded into debris. And I knew I was going to have to pick up every one of those things. My back was hurting that day and I was a mess and I was so angry. My eyes are watering, my nose is running. And I'm just, I just, just be honest. I hated people. I, I hated people, hated life. I mean, it was like, this is awful. And I'm, I'm sitting there mowing back and forth, and all of a sudden, this phrase comes into my head out of nowhere. And it's taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And, you know, I'm mowing, and I'm in a bad place, and so the, I'm like, that's weird. Where did that come from? I don't know about you, but I've never said that, just random conversation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm, I'm sitting there mowing, and, 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 and it comes back again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Three different times that phrase came to my mind. Taste and see that the Lord is good. On the third one, I started to take note and I go, I know that somewhere. I know that is in the Bible somewhere. I know it. And so I got back in the truck and I had my Bible in the back seat and I grabbed my Bible and I looked in the concordance and I found it. Psalm 34. And so I sat there in this truck covered in just sweat nasty and I read that passage and it said the poor man cried out and God delivered him from all his troubles it said the angel of the Lord that's Yahweh himself the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and they lack no good thing taste and see that the Lord is good Taste and see. And so in that, I sat there reading and I just cried. I was like, God spoke directly to me. Like fellowship in a way that I could not even describe. Fellowship in a way that I sat there just moved because the God that created all of this, in a moment of just absolute desperation, pierced through all that nonsense and said, Look, taste and see that I'm good. All these things that you're worried about, all these things that are weighing you down, I've got that. I'm going to deliver you from all of them. In fact, I'm encamped around you. And you're lacking no good thing right now. You lack no good thing right now. And so in that, I just, I I was so moved by that whole thing. And then later that day, it dawned on me because I, I I was like, this is a gift of God. That passage was like God handing me a gift. And it just was so, it still makes me emotional. It was so moving that God gave me Psalm 34 and it was my 34th birthday that day. My 34th birthday, God gave me Psalm 34. That's how much God wants to relate to you. That's how much God wants fellowship with you. That's what he wants that, this interaction to look like. So when you're sitting here and you're laying in a hospital bed and you've made a mess of your life, this is what God wants. He wants you to look to him. He wants you to fellowship with him. 
When you're looking through life and you're living in uncertainty and you don't know what the next step is, he wants you to go back to a passage like this and go, I got this. Trust me. Trust me. You lack no good thing right now. I'm up to something in your life. You're exactly where I want you to be even though it doesn't make sense to you right now. The angel of the Lord is encamped around you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That is what you need. That's what I need. Because I don't know about you, I had plenty of people in my life at that time because I'm super blessed and I've got, my, I've got great parents, great family, great friends, and, and they all tried to, like, encourage me. They would all say, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. But there was something about God's direct fellowship with me that changed it for me. I was like, okay. It changed everything. My circumstances didn't change. My heart and, what, and how I saw things changed. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope that you have more moments like that. I hope through this week that you sit with that passage. Just set aside time and sit with that passage in silence. And let God speak to you in the midst of that. Let let God's words just sink in. It will change your life. It will change everything, how you see things. It's so important. Now my fear is this. We are in a society where most of us are so busy and so overwhelmed and so okay with texting, Snapchatting, Facebook messaging, Twittering, whatever it is, okay? We're so good with these little soundbite text messages or whatever that we go all day long and quote, have communication, have what we call Friendship, and it's nothing. Anybody like Cheetos, cheese puffs? Anybody? Who likes them? Anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had these? Everybody's had these, right? You know this is styrofoam, right? (laughs) I mean, seriously. There is, like, I could smash this. I'll I'll stomp on it on the ground. This, This object... When under pressure, disintegrates into nothing but little powdery flake. It's nothing. It's, it's like nothing. And, and I don't know about you, but who wants some? Who wants some? Yeah? Come get some. Really. Come on. Come on. Ke- Kevin and Kate, you, you two look like you need some cheese puffs. But here's the deal. These, these cheese puffs are, you know, something. I don't know about you, but... What happened, I was talking to my wife about it, but when you eat one, and and that's why I'm not even going to eat this right now, plus I'm going to spare you the chomping in the microphone, but when you eat one, what happens is you got to keep eating more because that film that it leaves after it's done and gone is gross. It's like, uh, I want to like wipe it off my tongue, like give me something to scrape it. That film that it leaves, and if you look at those those, uh, ingredients, there is no healthy 
anything in that. There's nothing of value in it. It's empty fillers. It is empty fillers. That's what it is. You can sit here and fill up and chow down on Cheetos all day, cheese puffs. Because the, the ones that are firm, I can eat. But the cheese puffs, they're gross. It's styrofoam with a little bit of seasoning on it. And see, that's the thing. That's what a lot of our relationships look like. They're cheese puff. They have no filling. That's, that's what we call fellowship, is snacking on cheese puffs all day. It's these little Twitter messages, hey, how's it going? Or I, I still have yet to figure the Snapchat generation out because I don't, my kids, I'll have a conversation with them and all of a sudden they'll move their phone toward that, that black and white, that black and yellow stripe on the wall and take a picture. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm Snapchatting. Well, why, why are you... Well, you got to take a picture to communicate back and forth. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You'll drive down the road and they'll just take a picture of the outside. It's the dumbest thing. I do not understand. It's like the biggest cheese puff technology known to man. It's empty. It's nothing. It's nothing. Okay, but that's the thing is that, you know what? I have a four-year-old. My four-year-old likes cheese puffs. Okay? But if I sat here and let my four-year-old have his way at that bag, you know what's going to happen? Oh, man. Don't let the bag stop. You know, everybody, this is like, everybody's got to enjoy this, right? Oh, yeah, Joe, Joe liked them. Joe liked them. But here's the thing. If I let my four-year-old just chow down on cheese puffs, he doesn't want anything else. When it comes time for dinner, he's not hungry anymore. Because he filled up on empty. He filled up on empty. And that's what happens for, I would say, most of us is that most of your day is filling up on empty. Empty fillers. Empty fillers that, that aren't authentic, that, don't, that it's not the fellowship that God intended. You have an empty conversation with people. You're talking about things that don't matter. You're just hitting the, the surface of everything. You never really dive deep on anything. You sit here and you just say, hey, how you doing? Oh, good, good. Did you see that, that Chiefs game Thursday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you see Khalil Mack got traded yesterday? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, can you believe he made all that money? I mean, that's, that's, that's the extent of a guy conversation a lot of times. I mean, it's just like hit the surface and, oh, man, we're buds. We're good. We, we, we talk. We're good. It, it's just that's, you're satisfied. You, you fill up on that. That's what you fill up on every day. And the problem is this, when you fill up on cheese puffs, you're malnourished. When you fill up on cheese puffs, empty fillers, you don't have space for the real meal. You don't have time for the real meal. You don't make time for the real meal. And so that's what your life is, is a series of cheese puff relationships. I talk to people all the time that say this, I have no friends. Doesn't matter what age, young and old. Talk to people 16, 18, 25, 50, 60, 70. I have no friends. No friends. And then the friends that I do have, there's no like satisfying conversation. We don't really talk. We just kind of hit the surface of things. And that's why, I don't, I don't know about you, but th- there's nothing that satisfies about that kind of relationship. And that is not God-intended fellowship. God intended fellowship in your life does not look like cheese puffs. It's something so much more. It is substantial. 
It satisfies in a way that nothing else can. I have a friend, a, a, a great friend of mine that um, he, he and I meet together all the time. And it's, it's important that we meet together because we're both messed up in the head. And so fortunately, God, God is so good that when he's messed up in the head, I'm not. Or when I'm messed up in the head, he's not. And so the, the value in having authentic conversation, the value in being able to talk to somebody about what you're struggling with, it, it changes everything. It changes the way you relate. It changes the impact that fellowship has. So when last week when I sat down and had lunch with him and I could see it in his face, he was a mess. And I, and I sat there, and, and th- this is what God-authentic fellowship looks like. I sat there and I listened to him. Listened to what was going on. Listened to what was happening in his life. And then, after that, I pointed out what God has to say about that. I pointed out what God says about that. Because here's the thing. If you were made for fellowship, if God's intention for you was fellowship with him, then it stands to reason that the enemy's goal is to interrupt that fellowship. The enemy's goal is to distract you from that fellowship. Please hear what I'm saying. The enemy's goal in your life is to knock you off your purpose. The enemy's goal is to get you away from fellowshipping with God. Why? Because when you aren't fellowshipping with God, it doesn't take long, and your head is so messed up, you get so screwed up in the head. You start thinking dumb things. You start believing dumb things. You start thinking, I'm, I'm no good to anybody. It's what the enemy's doing is the enemy is trying to take your purpose, your authentic relationship with God, and trying to distract you from it. Or trying to tear it down. So in this case, that's what was happening. My friend was getting torn up about things. And so by the end of it, I called it out for what it was. And, and, and I laughed at him and I said, you're a disaster. That's authentic fellowship, right? That's good. But, but honestly, it was the truth. And, and, and when we got done, the conversation changed the way he saw things. Because what we did is we engaged in what God intended for fellowship. We got down to it. We like really talked about it. We didn't just hit the surface of it. We didn't just sit there and, you know, try to keep it to ourselves. Satan's goal is for you to keep it to yourself. Satan's goal is to isolate you, to get you to pull back. So every single time that you're sitting here going, oh, I'm going to pull back, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to pull back. I, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. It'd be safer for me to pull back. You've got to know that's likely a lie. That is not what God wants. God wants you to press into authentic community. Acts 2, 42 through 47 are some marks of that. And so I'm going to hit some of those real quick. This is the fellowship of the believers. This is what this church was founded on. Okay, This is the passage in scripture that this church said, this is what God's asked us to be about and we're going after it. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Notice key words, underline key words in your Bible. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, 
to teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So what we see right there is they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship together, to eating together, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They shared what they had. And day by day, attending the temple courts together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere, generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, key pieces of what it looks like to have God-intended fellowship is being devoted to teaching, being devoted to learning, being devoted to sitting and reading God's word, being devoted to sitting in the presence of God. That is a key fundamental piece of authentic fellowship. The purpose that God has for you is sit in it, listen to the teaching, fellowship together. They were together all the time. They ate together. They prayed together. They shared their possessions. They did it together. They did those things together. And that's the thing about what God intended fellowship is, is God said, like he said with Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be by yourself. It's not good for you to sit there all by yourself. You're meant to be in relationship, in community with people. That's why the purpose of this church is here, is we're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to share life together, okay? You can go out there, and, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times that when you're, doing, when you're going about life, you feel so lonely. And, and, and what happens is the enemy just tears you apart in your loneliness. I've had countless conversations with people in this room, just that, you know, I've heard people say, people that, man, God's doing unbelievable things in their life. I mean, if I named their names, you'd be like, they think that? I mean, they, they feel worthless. They think that God doesn't do anything with them. And, and if I said their names out loud, you'd go, there's no way. I mean, I see God's hand all over their life. But that's what happens to us, is that, we get, we get off alone and, and the enemy just sits here and tears away, tears away. And it's like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. You're going through this hardship alone. That is not what God wants. God wants us to surround each other, share, share our things, share with each other, share life together. That's what he wants. And so, in that, I want you to think about your own relationships, your own relationships, because we're finishing up here. I want you to think about what, in your own relationships, who are the people in your life that you have authentic, God-intended community with? Who are the people in your life right now that you really have, when you sit down and talk to them, you like really talk about things that matter? Do you have any? Do you have any? 
Because if you don't, you got to do something about it. Okay, this is a call to action today. Because I'm tired of the enemy winning in this deal. I'm tired of the enemy getting this foothold in people's lives and letting them believe these lies. I'm tired of you believing that you're all alone. I'm tired of of him convincing you that people would be better off without you or that there's really nothing good about you. I'm tired of it. And I want you to change that. I I don't want you to be a sitting duck. I want you to actually dig in because you're, you're, you're binging on cheese puffs is doing damage to you. I want you to do something about it. So in the light of Acts 2.42, here's some, here's some action items you can take. And I don't want you to sit here and make excuses. Because what happens for a lot of us is we sit here and go, we come into church, we sit down in the chairs and we go, nobody talked to me. Nobody even came up and said hi. Nobody cares about me. Nobody invites me anywhere. I, I mean, I see people on Facebook, they get together, nobody invites me. I mean, what's wrong with me? Am I not fun? Meanwhile, you didn't invite anybody anywhere either. It's this weird thing. You didn't invite anybody anywhere, but you're mad and judging somebody else because they didn't invite you. Okay, so we're not going to do that anymore. We're done with that. We're going to take action. I'm, I don't want to hear anybody in this room say again that they, uh, I, just, I just don't feel connected. Do something about it. It's what God wants. It's your purpose. He made you for fellowship with him. Do something about it. So here, that table over there, right there. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That table over there is filled with life group sign-up sheets. Okay? I'm, I'm asking every one of you to go sign up for one. I'm asking you to overwhelm those tables with your name. Every one of you. And I'm not just giving anybody an excuse. I know we're all busy. Every one of you go sign up for one. Because you know what? Sitting there in community, just like they did in Acts 2, sitting there in community with each other, with other believers, sharing time together. Most of those life groups, they have food to eat. They sit there and talk about what God says from his word. And they, and they, and they wrestle it out. And you know what happens in the midst of that? They talk about life. They talk about, you know, hey, man, I've been struggling. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? I really need your prayers. So if that, I'm, I'm asking every one of you to go sign up at that table. It's not scary. It's just people like you and me. We go hang out at their house and you can sit here and make fun of how dirty their house is. Whatever you want to do. Don't really do that. That, that is scary for them. Um, but, but the reality is I want you to go sign up because that's what the Bible says. That's what God says. God says, here, this is what my church should look like. People that are devoted and sit in my word and talk about it. People that eat dinner together. People that pray together. That's what this life is about. And if you're sick and tired of the film of those cheese puff relationships, then put your teeth into steak. Something good. Something that satisfies deep within. So join a life group. 
Here's the other thing. Don't just join one. Show up. Okay? Show up. Because a lot of people join one because they think they get a merit stamp or a star or something next to their name. And then they don't show up. So if you're going to join one, then show up. Because this beauty of God's intended fellowship requires you to be present. It requires you to do your part. Invite people over for dinner. Invite people over to come, come over to your house for dinner. Or if you don't want that, just go meet somewhere for dinner. Do something about it. You take the initiative. Quit waiting for somebody else to come to you. Set aside quiet time to listen and pray. So I want you to do this. This week, I want you to, if you're a person who has to be organized, set it out. Wake up 30 minutes earlier. Whatever you got to do, set aside, maybe it's the drive in the car. Set aside time. Shut the radio off. And just listen. Just listen. Just pray and say, God, speak to me. Please. Share what you have. Share. Share what you have. That's genuine, authentic, God-intended fellowship. Is that you share what God has given you. That, that's material possessions, but that's also, some of you are a treasure chest of God's deposits in your life. You can point people to truth about God and illustrate through stories of your own life what God has done. Share it. Go spend time with somebody. Call people out. When, here's the thing. I, what, I'm, what I'm really concerned about is we've got a bunch of people that sit here and live in a moral lifestyle, that sit here and keep walking and they keep distancing themselves, they keep walking further and further away. They show up to church some, but really they're, they're not doing what they need to do. And I don't mean by legalism or whatever. They're not relating to God. They're walking away from him. Go to them. Call them on it. If you hear what they're talking about and you know that they're drifting, go, go talk to them. Go say, hey, listen, something's different. Something's different. I think you're drifting. Go have the conversation with them. That's God-intended fellowship. The last thing is this. Be generous with people. Be generous with people. When people screw up, when people let you down, please be generous with them. Don't sit there and go, ah, I'm writing him off. I called him and he didn't call me back. I texted him, he didn't text me back. I'm never texting that dude again. Be generous with people, please. We all need it. We all need it. Don't sit here and hold somebody to a standard that you can't keep. Be generous with people. Let's pray. God, thanks for what you're doing in our life and thank you for your love and your compassion. God, thanks for your, the, just the simple fact that you desire fellowship with us. God, that is a mind-blowing fact that you want to relate to us, that this passage that we just read is filled with you saying, I'm listening, my ears are hearing you. I'm close to the brokenhearted. Those are active things that you're about, that when we are struggling, you know it when we are hurting, that you are close.
in, our, in the midst of this hurt. I just pray that the people in this room that are hurting, that they would feel and sense your presence in a profound way. God, I pray that they would go away from this place and go, you know what? I just met with God today. His word jumped off the page at me. I had someone come up to me at church today and say something that there's no way they could have known about my life. And God used it. He spoke. They spoke directly to what I needed to do. And I've been searching for that answer for a long time. And so God, thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for for bringing me into fellowship. Thank you for chasing me down when I'm the one that is wandering off. Thanks for being the one that chases me down. God, I pray that that we would be people that follow in those footsteps, that we'd be people that live like that. God, we love you and pray in your name. Amen.